As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Welcome back to the show. It's Megan here with you. And I'm going to do something a little different today for the solo episode. I've got a book in front of me. It is by John Maxwell. He's a number one New York Times bestselling author. I have heard him speak live a couple of years ago. And I've also read quite a few of his books. He has written over 80 books, if I'm not mistaken. I believe he started writing books when he was in his early 30s, and he is now in his mid-70s. So I think he's written 82 or 83 books in that time. And I've got one of his latest books in front of me called Leadership, The 11 Essential Changes Every Leader Must Embrace. Leadership is one of my most favorite topics. It's something that I've been talking about quite a bit with our mastermind clients in our Rise to Legendary program, because most of them have been building teams in order to scale their business to seven figures. And I recently asked a question to my audience on Instagram, and there were a lot of questions about team and leadership. And two of those questions specifically were around leadership of team streamlining systems with team, and then also kind of taming this, I want to fix everything on my own, even though I have team in place. So how do I have my team work and elevate what they're doing? And ultimately, everything does start with leadership and the person who's sitting in that leadership seat. And if you're listening to this, more than likely you are a business owner. So that leadership really starts with you. So here's what we're going to do different. I'm going to do a series of solo episodes for the next few weeks on leadership. And I love John Maxwell's book so much that I would love to read some of the chapters in this book and let that be our episode. So if you have the book or if you want to grab it, I'll put the, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's called leadership. And I'm not going to start from the beginning of the book. I'm actually going to do a couple of episodes on chapter two. So I'm going to do the first part of chapter two today. And then next week we'll do a leadership part two episode. And I'll go into the second half of chapter two. So let's dive in. Chapter two, soloist to conductor the focus shift. One is too small a number to achieve greatness. And this is the law of significance. So I'm going to dive into the actual chapter now. One of the first and most important shifts anyone must make to become a leader is from soloist to conductor. You can be a successful person on your own, but not a successful leader. I began to learn this lesson and make this shift in 1974 when I heard Zig Ziglar for the first time. Zig, who later became a good friend, 
made a positive impact on millions of lives and mine was one of them. That first time I went to see him speak, I was mesmerized. He was so dynamic. I had been trained to speak and had been speaking for about five years, but Zig was different. He moved back and forth on the stage. His delivery was distinctive with a Southern drawl. He paced his words for impact. He had charm. At one point, he even knelt to make a point and connect with us. I loved everything about what he did that day, but what made the greatest impression on me was a statement he made. It became the catalyst for taking my leadership mindset from soloist to conductor. Zig said, you can get everything in life you want if you will just help enough people get what they want. Those words struck me like a bolt of lightning. Immediately, I realized that my leadership focus was wrong. I was like a soloist who wanted the entire orchestra to serve me and my agenda. Instead, I needed to act like a conductor who worked to bring out the best in everyone around me. My agenda needed to change to how I could help others, not just myself. Over the next couple of years, my focus shifted from me to we, and I made a discovery. My increased effort to first focus on others and add value to them increased the energy of those I led, and it increased my energy while I was leading them. That's when I discovered that it's wonderful when the people help their leader, but it's even more wonderful when the leader helps the people. Recently, I read an article about four musical soloists who have transitioned to become conductors. South Korean Han Na Chang, who has enjoyed a successful international career as a cellist, recently became a full-time conductor. When asked why she began conducting, she replied, I am drawn to the great symphonic and operatic literature and also by the music making and collaboration that exists between the conductor and the orchestra. Collaborating with the orchestra is tremendously rewarding. Every orchestra is different. So the conductor is always trying to find the most effective way of conducting that particular orchestra in order to unite the group behind a common vision and interpretation. Chang pointed out that conducting is completely different from being a soloist. When I play my instrument, she said, what I think quite naturally and instantaneously translates into sound. When conducting, I'm making sound with a group of individuals. The possibilities and the potential of the sound of an orchestra are virtually limitless, and this is truly fascinating to me. Eric Jacobson, an American violinist who began conducting, spoke about the role and impact of being a conductor. Ideally, a conductor is a catalyst for mutual understanding, with the orchestra becoming greater than the sum of its parts. And Gemma New, a violinist from New Zealand who recently began conducting, said, I became fascinated by the way orchestral music unifies and inspires everyone involved. Experiencing music together creates a strong human bond between us, no matter who we are or where we come from. Challenges leader shifting from soloist to conductor. The potential of a group is always greater than that of an individual. People working together possess limitless possibilities. They can work together to do something great, greater than themselves. And when they bond, they enjoy the journey of working even more. However, that doesn't mean that working together doesn't have its own challenges. 
When you transition from soloist to conductor, there are some realities you have to face. Number one, going slower so you can go farther. You've probably heard the old expression, it's lonely at the top, applied to leadership. But think about that statement. If you're at the top all alone, where are the people you're supposed to be leading? Shouldn't they be at the top with you? If you're at the top alone, it means you took off ahead of your people and left them behind. If you climb the peaks of success alone, you're not a leader. You're a hiker. You're a leader only if you have your people with you. Your pace will be slower, but you will journey together. Good leaders don't go to the top alone and then yell down, hey, people, come on up. If you can figure out how to make the climb, they make a conscious decision to slow down. They carefully choose their steps so that they can help others make the climb with them. Think about how this must have been for cellist Han Na Cheng when she shifted from soloist to conductor. As a mu musician, she could pick up her instrument anytime she wanted, play any music she wanted, and do so however long she wanted. She could focus on any part of the music desired or on any aspect of her technique with no regard for others. Now, as a conductor, she can't do that. She has to make arrangements. She has to be on other people's schedules. She has to take into consideration the abilities and personalities of a large group of people. She has to communicate her vision. And in the end, she bears responsibility for their success or failure. As I've already mentioned, leaders have a natural bias for action. Good leaders see more than others do, and they see before others do. It's in their DNA to move quickly and decisively. So their natural inclination is often to run fast on their own, to climb as high as they can. But to lead others successfully, leaders need to travel with their people, not run or climb ahead of them. This requires a leader to do what I call the leadership dance. As you lead, your position in a group can't be static. Remember, leadership, unlike management, is dynamic. It expects change. So to do the leadership dance, you must step ahead of people, staying close enough for them to see you. Step beside people, listening to them and talking about the journey. And step behind people, sharing words of encouragement to keep them going. Doing this dance keep you, keeps you connected to your people and energizes everyone. And that's important because healthy organizations are not about the one person who leads them. They are about everyone who's in them. Being a good leader is about helping people reach their potential. That doesn't happen unless the leader is willing to slow down and take the journey with them. Number two, recognizing that you need others. Another reality you must recognize when transitioning from soloist to conductor is your need for other people. You can't produce the music of an orchestra when you're trying to be a one man or one woman band. Before I heard Zig Ziglar speak and realized I needed to make a leader shift, I only thought of how people needed me. I believed I was the key to their success. But after I started focusing on others, helping others, I began to understand how much I needed them. Only by working together and helping one another would we be able to become successful. Once I made that discovery, I began creating an environment where people worked together to add to one another's strengths and offset one another's weaknesses. I asked others to come alongside me and make up for my leadership deficits. I, in turn, 
work to apply my strengths to their weaker areas. I made it my goal to cultivate an environment where we put completing one another ahead of competing with one another. Notice the difference between the two attitudes, competing versus completing. Competing has a scarcity mindset. Completing has an abundance mindset. Competing thinks win-lose. Completing thinks win-win. Competing practices single thinking. Completing practices shared thinking. Competing excludes others. Completing includes others. A completing culture creates wins for everyone. It lifts morale. It encourages team members to make one another better. People enjoy working in such an environment. As I worked to create a culture and environment where completing was valued, I better understood how I needed others. I also began enjoying what we were doing together. Number three, making the effort to understand others. Many entrepreneurs and high achievers are able to work alone. Like good soloists, musicians who choose to play in the subway, they can create music without the assistance of any other musicians. It's also true that some soloists are so talented that others are willing to work with them, even if the soloist is egotistical and inconsiderate. But no one can become a good conductor without making the effort to understand other people. When people lead without taking the time or making the effort to understand those who are trying to follow them, the results can be tragic or comic. Several years ago, I witnessed a funny incident that occurred with my grandchildren. When they were young, we often vacationed in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. No matter where we vacation, I always look for opportunities to do something fun with the kids. This particular year, I decided that we should organize the grandchildren into a marching band. The kids were excited as we handed out kazoos, maracas, and tambourines. We worked together on a song, and they were having a wonderful time. When they were ready to march, I held up a whistle and baton and explained that the leader would use these to lead the band. I, of course, became the first leader to demonstrate how to direct the band. The whistle was a signal for them to get ready to march. Then when I pointed the baton forward, that was their signal to play and march. When they heard the whistle again, that was the signal to stop. For the next few minutes, I led them around the pool as they marched and made music. As soon as I saw that they had it, I let the grandchildren take turns being the leader. They were enjoying themselves and all was well until four-year-old John Porter was given the whistle and put in charge. He loved the idea of being in control. So he would blow the whistle to start everyone marching, but after only a few steps, he would blow the whistle again to stop them. Then he'd start them, then he'd stop them, start, stop, start, stop. The kids weren't marching, they were lurching. All the children began to protest, but John didn't care. He liked the feeling of power. It, it may have been the first time all of his siblings and cousins had ever done what he said. As we watched, the adults couldn't help laughing. But the truth is that a lot of leaders and organizations employ little John's style of leadership. They like the power of bossing others around and rarely do they think about how the people they're leading feel or what they think. I have to confess, I was one of those leaders in my early years. As a soloist leader, I thought the symphony was there simply to accompany me. I only wanted people to understand and embrace my vision, my agenda, my journey, my talents, my heart. I was like little John leading my team around the pool and I was whistle happy. To make the leadership from soloist to conductor, 
I had to consider everyone else. I needed to understand and embrace their thoughts, desires, talents, contribution, and journey. Several years ago, I was speaking in Buenos Aires, Argentina. One evening, my host took me to a large ballroom where we watched a huge exhibition of people dancing the tango. There must have been 200 people out on the floor in beautiful costumes. They were fantastic. Their sense of movement and rhythm was wonderful. I greatly enjoyed watching them. Years before, my wife, Margaret, and I had taken ballroom dance lessons, so I had a little bit of appreciation for how difficult dancing is. The tango looked very complicated and difficult to execute with precision. I knew that my host was an excellent dancer, so I asked him, what enables them to dance so flawlessly and effortlessly? He said the key was understanding your partner's point of view. To be able to lead properly, he said, you want to understand how it feels to be led. In the tango, you cannot lead without having the sense of the follower. That made sense to me. The follower has to be able to trust the leader, and she must be able to move with him in time with the music. Only together can they accomplish the dance. That cooperation and understanding also applies equally to good leadership. Number four, wanting others to shine more than you do. My host in Argentina also shared another insight about the tango that applies to leaders who shift from soloist to conductor. He explained that the dancer who leads sets up the dancer who follows for success. The leader provides the foundation and makes it possible for both of them to successfully execute the intricate serpentine steps and kicks. As a result, the follower gives the tango its full expression. The more secure and solid the leader is, the more the follower is able to shine. Good leaders who conduct rather than go solo want the people who work with them to shine. How do they do that? They follow this thinking. Before I say, follow me, I find you. Before I ask you to listen to me, I listen to you. When I show you the big picture, you are in it. When I point to success, I point to you. Often you hear me say, I need you. Often you discover he needed me. After the journey, we are both exhausted. After the victory, you hold the trophy. Good leaders do what they can to put others in position to win. As the co-founder of the John Maxwell team, I try to do that for the coaches who become certified through our organization. Twice a year, we host a training conference for new coaches. For three days, the faculty and I get to teach attendees how to make a difference with their lives and the lives of others through coaching, training, and speaking. It's so much fun. One of the teaching sessions I do at every conference is a lesson I call JMT DNA. It helps coaches understand the culture of the John Maxwell team, and it encourages them to embrace the values and behavior I embrace as a leader who wants to add value to others. In recent years, I've chosen veteran coaches and invited them to join me on stage. We talk about how they flesh out the team values. This gives those coaches a chance to shine and helps the new coaches understand how to conduct themselves with integrity as they start their coaching and speaking careers. After one of these sessions, a couple of coaches gave me a special gift, a Mont Blanc highlighter. Engraved on the side were the words, you highlight our lives. What a wonderful gesture that was to me because I do strive to highlight others. Every day I look for opportunities to lift up people. To do it, I follow a simple formula. See the possibilities in all people. Honor them in front of others. 
Invite them to help achieve the vision. Notice what they do well and compliment them and thank them to make sure they know they're valued. I strive to do this every day. As you can see, none of these actions takes brilliance or a high degree of skills, but they do all require intentionality. If you wanna become a good conductor, give them a try. Help others to shine. Number five, helping others to become better every day. To become a successful leadership conductor, you must go slower so you can go farther. Recognize that you need others, make the effort to understand others, and want others to shine more than you do. But you will also need to learn how to do things every day that help the people you lead to improve. This requires taking the focus off yourself and looking for ways you can help others reach their potential. Sometimes that can be a challenge. A few years ago, I was getting ready to speak to a large group in the Ukraine, and my interpreter and I were in the green room getting acquainted. We had never worked together, but as we chatted, it became clear that he was familiar with me because he had read a lot of my books. About 10 minutes before I was scheduled to go out on stage, I could tell he was wanting to communicate something important to me. He said, I know you teach a lot about leaders adding value to others, but you need to know that message will not work here. For three generations, people here have been under leadership that has taken value from them, not added value to them. As he left to prepare for our time on stage, I sat in my chair and realized that I had a big challenge ahead of me. How could I expect the people to help others when the only model of leadership they'd ever seen had leaders who took from them and added value only to themselves? How could I connect with them? That night, I walked out on stage and asked, how many of you are suspicious of leaders? It looked like every hand was raised. How many of you have been hurt by leaders? Once again, hands were raised everywhere. Then I said to the audience, everything rises and falls on leadership. For three generations, you've experienced leadership that makes everything fall. Tonight, I'm gonna help you learn how to help people, add value to them, and help them rise under your leadership. I went on to give them the three questions followers ask of their leaders. One, do you care for me? Two, can I trust you? Three, can you help me? As I said each question, I asked if it resonated with them and each time they affirmed that it did. Making the shift so that you're doing something every day to add value to others makes good leadership possible. A few years ago, my organization partnered with Rob Hoskins, the CEO of One Hope, to develop curriculum to teach leadership to high school students. The program was piloted in Ghana. Before the course was taught to a group of teenagers, the participants were asked to complete a survey. One question asked was, do you want to become a leader? When they were asked before going through the curriculum, 95% of the response, respondents answered no. Their opinion of leadership and leaders was negative because most of them had observed corrupt and manipulative leaders taking from others rather than adding to them. Their leaders didn't care about them, so they didn't care to become leaders. However, after taking the course, their attitudes about leadership had shifted. When asked the same question, 85% of them responded with a yes. Why? They had been taught that leadership was about helping people, adding value to them, 
and using influence to improve their community. That's something they wanted to be part of. Okay, that concludes part one of our leadership series. I'm gonna stop right there. Again, I'm reading from John Maxwell's book, Leadership. I'm in chapter two, Soloist to Conductor. And we're gonna start next week's solo episode about halfway through chapter two in a section that is about changing your focus from receiving to giving. And there are a couple of points that will be shared in this section of the chapter. And I can't wait to share that part of it with you next week. I would love to hear your feedback on this. Uh, you know, make sure you're following the show. Uh, leave us a review. You can easily connect with me on Instagram at Megan J. Huber. You'll see that down in the show notes below. Send me a direct message. I would love to hear any ahas or takeaways that you got for, from the section of the book leadership that I just read. And if you have any questions, ask them. I'm happy to chat with you and have a conversation with you in um, the, the DMs and Instagram and chit chat back and forth about leadership. You know, what has been your experience learning from other leaders or following other leaders? What is your perspective on becoming a leader yourself? How have you always approached leading others? Do you see an opportunity for growth in your own leadership? You know, I'll be really honest. In the last two and a half years, we have been building our own team here at MeganJohnsonHuber.com. And it's not my first time ever leading teams of people. I was a high school teacher in my 20s. That was my first career outside of college. And not only was I a teacher of high school students, I was also a tennis coach. I was the football athletic trainer. And I also had student athletic trainers that I was overseeing. I was an advisor for a couple of different clubs. And I also oversaw and was the leader of a huge initiative that became statewide at the time in the state of North Carolina. It was called the Graduation Project. And that project required all high school seniors to complete a, a very extensive project that would take them about a year and a half to complete. It involved uh, being connected to a community mentor, someone who had a career or was an entrepreneur in the mentor in, in the community. And the students had to complete a project with their mentor and then present that project to a room of judges towards the end of their senior year. And I remember when we were provided with the information from the state about the project, it was, it was minuscule. Uh, it basically gave no direction to students, no direction to parents, uh, no direction to community mentors about how to be a mentor. And oh, by the way, every teacher also had to be a student advisor because the students were required to have student advisors. So essentially all we knew was the kids had to complete a project and here are the different roles that are involved with that project. So I was asked by the principal, I believe, I think I was 24 at the most, I was 25 years old, but I, I think I'm, maybe I was 25. And my principal asked me if I would be the graduation project coordinator. So I took that job on and I probably spent about 30 hours a week on it. And I had to get the students on board. I had to get the entire faculty on board. I had to get parents on board. 
I had to get community, potential community mentors on board. And I also ended up partnering with a nonprofit organization called Chatham Together. Chatham Together existed for the purpose of connecting at-risk young people with community mentors. They were already in the business of doing that. And so they assisted us in identifying our most at-risk high school seniors. And we took it upon ourselves to find community mentors for them and really partner with those students at a very high level to ensure that they actually finish the project because it was required for graduation. So that was really my first dive into leadership as a, as a young adult in my first career as a teacher. And I also have served on a team. I was part of a team uh, for a very large coaching company that is very, very well known across the globe. So I know what it's like to also be a team member. And as a team member, I was also considered a leader in certain departments. So, you know, and also, you know, we started building our team at, at my company a few years ago. And I'll be really honest, all of my insecurities have come to the surface around my ability to lead other people. And it has been quite a journey. It, you know, all of your insecurities, all of your old stories, all of your fears just like rapidly come to the surface, just kind of like in your face when you start building a team. So it's been quite a journey to navigate over the last few years. And like I mentioned at the beginning of today's show, many of our clients who are in the mid six figure level, who have their sights set on building a seven figure business, they know that the next step for them to get to that level in their business and to, and to lead their business to that level, it requires people. It requires team. It requires team members to be on board with the vision of the company, to be on board with the culture of your company, and to begin you know, positioning them in leadership positions. You can't get to the next level of your business or else you'll plateau without people. But just having people, like just hiring people and putting people in positions where they're, they're just completing tasks and you're like a taskmaster every single day, it, that's not actually going to grow your company. You'll have a revolving door. People will just come and go, come and go, come and go. And you can't ever really get to that next level of momentum, if you will, to go to the next level. So you know, leadership is something that takes time to develop those skills. And it really does involve learning as much as you can about other people and how other people tick, how other people function and inspiring other people to really take ownership, to also work together. So I'm excited for this leadership, leadership series. Uh, I will read more from the book chapter two next week. We'll, we'll complete that next week and we'll keep having this conversation around leadership. Like I said, reach out to me on Instagram. I'd love to have a conversation with you about this. So let's keep the conversation going. And if you have any questions about leadership, leader, leadership, leadership, also let me know what they are and we can incorporate that into the show in the future. So hope you have a fabulous day and uh, I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. 
If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.